Yeah, it's a, uh, they're part of that know-it-all category too, you know, they're the ones, they know everything and they've done everything. And it's, how simple is it to say, hey, we, were, we all won, you know, it's the days of, uh, you know, it's me, me, me. Um, and, and it certainly holds true in the days of, you know, marketing and sales not working together. Uh, and now we have to work together. All departments, the collaboration is so important. So when you win and are successful, share that. Celebrate together. Because you're certainly going to be celebrating and, and suffering through some of the losses sometimes. So celebrate the wins. Isn't that more fun? And it uh, doesn't mean we all need to be holding hands, you know, and, and singing We Are The World. But it also means, hey, hey share the success. Enjoy the job. And, uh, and I think that's important. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Dean Carroll. Dean is a sales trainer and career development expert, and he's the author of a new book titled Mastering the Basics, Simple Lessons for Achieving Success in Business. And in our conversation today, we're talking about the importance of having a philosophy for success. In this case, a philosophy meaning just a simple set of rules that you live your life by and live your work life by. And these rules are the basics. They aren't complex. They're simple, clear rules that define how we all operate in the world. And these dictate the experiences as a seller. Your philosophy, your basics dictate the experiences your buyers have with you, you the salesperson. So Dean and I talk about why for those very reasons it's so critical for sellers to be intentional about every impression they create with buyers and how your philosophy of sales, your philosophy of life shapes those moments. So again, to all this and much, much more, but before we get to Dean, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. And I want to remind you to check out my latest book, Sell Without Selling Out. It's a modern human-centric framework for establishing your personal sales brand to enable you to increase your win rates and shorten decision cycles without using the salesy behaviors that buyers hate. It's available everywhere you shop for books, online, and in stores. All right, let's jump into it. All right, Dean, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Andy. Thanks for inviting me. A pleasure to have you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Well, I'm, uh, I've spent my whole career in, in the sales business, uh, more than three decades in the publishing business, uh, oh. working with uh, companies like Simon & Schuster, Prentice Hall, now Pearson. And uh, most recently, I was sales director at Wiley. A mm -hmm. uh, big business book publisher, yep. and uh, I left that about seven years ago. I went back to school and did a whole new uh, career path change where I do uh, I do some basic sales training. I do work with LinkedIn Learning, mm -hmm. and I also do some career development work. So a little diverse portfolio at this stage of my life. Yeah, a new chapter. I'm, I'm a huge believer in this idea of life is is comprised of chapters um, or composed of chapters. I yeah. think I count like I don't know, nine different chapters in my my career. Um, this latest yeah, one. I mean, it's, you've done that. I, it's, it's interesting. You started off in the, you know the computer sales. Bur was it Burroughs where you started? And yes, uh, it was. And, yes. And and uh, so we, I think we all find different paths throughout our life. And I, it was great for me. I just said, you know, I want to do something different. Life's too short. And uh, the industry I was in, published, all industries have changed over the past decade. Right. And certainly the book publishing business has dramatically changed. And I said, you know what, this is the time. And uh, left on good terms. And I said, doing something different. And I love working with new sales professionals and helping them uh, uh, advance and develop in their career. Yeah, well, likewise. I mean, it's, it's um, 
it's a chance for you to learn something as well. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think was motivating you. It seems like in part, and certainly for me, is this chapter for me was sort of start with my writing my first book, but now right. it's yeah three books in, yeah podcasts. Um, had to learn a lot of new things. Well, it's how you stay fresh. And uh, I went. It's funny. I went back to uh, took courses at NYU in coaching and training, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I spent my whole career as a as a sales manager, training and and coaching. But I needed some foundational experience, and I was with students half my age or more. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk about getting re-energized and uh, getting excited, and it was just a blast, just a lot of fun. Well, let me ask you. Writing the ten-page papers weren't fun, but the everything else was. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, but I wanted to ask along those lines. So, you spent your life as a salesperson, sales manager, sales leader, and then you go back to school and take a course on coaching. What did you learn that surprised you? Uh, I, I realized that I had learned a lot of the things through uh, through osmosis in my career. The right thing. I wanted to learn a little bit more about the psychology aspect mm -hmm. of coaching and working with people. And I'm a big believer, as are you, as I've read in your book, about emotional intelligence and being aware mm -hmm. and, and so forth. And uh, I wish I had taken more of those courses in my college years, you know, yeah. way back. Uh, because that is truly what I think in all business is, is being able to understand and learn from other people. The mental health aspect of, of all of our jobs and certainly in sales, I think is so critically important. And uh, so I learned that in going back to school. And I also learned that, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at what I do. <laughs> it's just a matter of uh, believing in yourself. Early yeah. stages of our career and now at this stage of my career, having confidence is so critically important. Yeah, well, that confidence and we'll talk about that in a bit. It comes across in many different dimensions. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you talk about you wish you'd learned some of the stuff back when you were in school. Yeah, you're roughly my age, I presume, maybe a little bit younger. Is is um, yeah, they didn't know some of this stuff. <laughs> I mean, or <laughs> like emotional intelligence. You know, that didn't. People were. Right. We were doing it. But right. you know the words didn't exist to describe it in the same way that it, it does now, right? Right. There were the term EQ and you know, yeah. know was, that was a yeah Daniel Goldman Daniel Goldman's book right. on emotional intelligence twenty twenty five years ago I guess you know really started but when you and I graduated from college it was you know go get them and uh, you uh, yeah know. <laughs> you know, largely so. true yes yeah yeah so it's, um, well you so you've written a book titled Mastering the Basics Simple Lessons for Achieving Success in Business and and Part of the reason I want to have you on the show is this, this idea of I'm a huge believer in the basics are yeah. almost <laughs> is really what you need first. And they're the ones that really show you through your career uh, if you can master those. So why why this book for you at this point in time? Well, you know, I think we all, I mean, you say it in your book also, about we get intimidated, I think when we first get into business with people with fancy titles and advanced degrees, and we think we have to be, you know, have that personality of a salesperson, mm. whatever that means. Right. And uh, you realize we just need to be ourselves. And uh, I was a B student. I was a 3.0 in college. There were a lot of people smarter than me. So how do all the 3.0s do well in business? And for me, I think it's just mastering basic skills, focusing on the things that can separate you from everybody else. Being ready uh, for a presentation, working with you today, uh, doing your research, planning and preparation, basic human relations skills. Uh, and, and I think you know, these, this is not taught at the Harvard Business School. <laughs> these are things that you learn through life. And 
and I, it's, it's been helped make me successful. I didn't learn this in my 20s. I, the, the light bulb went off for me in my 30s when I said, you know what? I just need to be myself. <laughs> and you know, don't fake it. Don't right. be salesy, like you say. Right. Just be Dean Carroll. And uh, so that's what my book is about. It's about 200 different topics about how you can be successful in business. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's it, again, it's a topic I want to cover, but we can cover now is, as you said, these things aren't taught in school, but should be. These things being social skills, soft skills, whatever you want to call them. I call them power skills, but um, is, is this ability to be human and interact with other people on a human level is we make this huge assumption that everybody knows how to do that, right? But they really don't, and that's okay. There's no judgment on them. Why is business and a sales leader, I advocate, we should really invest more in this. Yeah, it's something that I, when I tried to work with the, the staff that I had through the years was, again, just being yourself, you know, and it's some people don't like these words like being authentic and being genuine, but why fake it? Just, you know, here, what you see is what you get with Dean Carroll. And, and you try to enhance and build your skills from there. And whether it's learning new technology or learning new methods, listening better, you know, all of us in sales need to work on that. And uh, these are skills that, you know, I, is there a class on listening at, you know, at Stanford? You know, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, maybe it's included in a course, but maybe, all of these yeah, social skills, you know, people's skills, I think is uh, what separates you from the rest of the pack if you're able to uh, focus on those things and enhance those skills. Well, I agree. And I think obviously that's a big theme in my book. My latest book, Sell Without Selling Out, is, is yeah, you, the human seller, you are the point of differentiation. And it's due to just the things you spoke about. It's due to being yourself, being authentic, uh, being able to form connections, bring your curiosity, your natural curiosity to the game, among other things that set you apart. Yeah. It's a, uh, again, that word EQ, emotional intelligence, wasn't discussed when we graduated from college, but it's, I think it's the foundation of what good salespeople have versus those who are too salesy. I mean, it, the, the emotional intelligence is, you know, listening, showing empathy, and realizing that the buyer, you know, on the other side of the telephone or conference call or in person, they're in the same boat we are. <laughs> they're, they've got managers driving them crazy. They've got budgets to hit. They've got monthly numbers, just like we do. So it's it's seeing it as it's not a we versus them scenario. It's saying, how do we work together as best we can, you know, to find things that can help them and vice versa. Yeah. You know. So I agree. I mean, it's, it's I make reference to this in the book is uh, Zig Ziglar saying, you know, if you help enough, enough other people get what they most want out of life, you get what you most want out of life. Get one, you get what you most want out of life. Sorry, I'm stumbling over that. But right. uh, <laughs> But that's true, right? It's it's a service orientation. Leading with that is going to take you a long way. So, yeah. You go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it's funny. At my first sales job, I worked with a, a publishing textbook sales, and uh, I worked with the largest textbook publisher. And uh, I we used to go see uh, professors who were obviously a lot smarter than me. And I was talking to them about you know chemistry books and business books, economics books. But I was with the number one publisher. And I had a territory that no other sales reps were there because I had a, I used to call on community colleges. Mm -hmm. And I thought sales was the easiest job in the world. I just showed up. You know, if you've got the number one product and you're visiting people who are glad to see you, 
I said, wow, this is great. You know, I'm making 10,000 a year. I have a you know, company car and I have a $100 weekly expense account. I'm thinking, this is great. And then when I shifted to another company and, and worked in a different part of the business and I started to sell to and, and work with uh, mass merchants and mass retailers and supermarkets, I realized most of the people had never purchased the book. Mm. And, and you talk about a, a wide opening of, wow, I'm in the real world now where, you know, <laughs> I've got to learn how to work with people then listen. And uh, it was a it was a sharp uh, sharp contrast going from the number one to who the heck are you? Yeah, <laughs> and earning those big bucks, the ten grand a year. Yes, I thought it was pretty good. It well, was good. Let's see, my starting salary in my first job, my first sales job, my base salary was seventy eight hundred bucks a year. I think. Yeah, yeah. Felt like a fortune at yeah. the time. I mean, yeah, and I, it's, I like what you talk about in your book. It's like those first training classes uh, when, you know, we go to them and I, mean, I was scared to death. I mean, again, yeah. I was very lucky in that first company I worked for. They had a brilliant training program and I had, was very lucky. I had a great manager who ended up being a mentor throughout my entire career. But you know, shortly after that, I went through a sales program just like what you did, where it was you know, selling through manipulation mm -hmm. and intimidation and then the whole finger pointing thing, right? Yes, you can do that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's not me. But you could fall into that trap. And how many programs are there out there that were like that? And there's still some today. <laughs> Unfortunately, so still some today. Yeah. Well, more than we mm -hmm. want to think, actually. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, so you, you sort of frame everything in your book with, with uh, your philosophy and... Yeah. Yeah, the thing that's interesting to me is people get a little squeamish with this word philosophy. They think it's so soft, but yeah. but actually a philosophy is a, a set of rules that you, you live by. I mean, it's actually quite quite concrete. It's not theoretical. It's not philosophical. You know, uh, yeah. I was going to say philosophical, which is the wrong word. It's, 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 it's not theory. I mean, a philosophy is a very practical set of rules you, learn, you, you live by or work by. Yes, I mean, it's, I, I, I don't want to make sales that easy. It, it isn't easy. It, sales can be tough at times. We all know that. I mean, it's, it's, it's work. It's a job. If it, was, if it was that easy, there'd be a line out the door waiting for our job, well, right? But there's no line here. So it's, uh, but the, philo <laughs> the philosophy is, for me, is, you know, you be good to people. You show up on time. I'm still old-fashioned. I send thank you notes. Mm -hmm. And most people don't. <laughs> and it's, uh, and it is being genuine and showing care. Yes, we have to, you know, solve problems, ask the right questions and figure all these things out. But I don't get into the advanced methodologies of sales. I, I try to keep the whole process for me very simple and very basic. To me, uh, sales discovery, and again, you talk about this too, sales discovery to me, most people think is boring. I think it's the foundation of what good salespeople do. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're all focused on the clothes and you got to do this and that you overcome that. But if you're good at the research and the planning and the preparation and asking good questions and listening and sales discovery, those other processes, other parts of the process uh, flow a lot easier. Yeah. Well, and it, their success, as I talk about in my book, is predicated on... As you said, you know, be good to people, build rapport, <laughs> you know, build this connection, earn some level of trust. Then people say, well, okay, yeah, we trust Dean enough now, but we're gonna we're really gonna share it with Dean because we trust Dean as opposed to 
you know, whoever else came in the door that, yeah, we didn't quite yeah. trust in the same way, right? And they don't get quite the same information and the same understanding. So um, we read everywhere about that word trust, that we're supposed to develop trust. We're supposed to, you know, that's what, and that's so critically important. Yet how many people don't, haven't learned that, to figure that out, that trust is really what it's all about. And if you lose that trust, you know, or if you, if you get too salesy or too manipulative, that trust just fades away and you're not coming back. It's one and done. And uh, so it's, um, again, I don't think it's rocket science, but a lot of people don't, don't follow it. I, I cringe sometimes, and I know do you also, when we get, you know, messages on LinkedIn and it goes from hello to what can I sell you? Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, you know, where, who, who taught you? <laughs> you know, and it's tragic. Well, yeah. Well, but I, I think it, <laughs> I think that, again, we're guilty of making the assumption that people come into the workforce with these basic set of skills. And this is one of my uh, things that I talk about quite frequently is that, like new people coming into sales, hey, we're going to get to throw them into an onboarding program. They got six weeks or maybe 12 weeks. And at the end, and it's like, yeah, but these basic human skills, they don't know these. Or we, we're right. assuming they know them. We shouldn't assume that people know them. It doesn't mean they're bad people if they don't know them. Quite the contrary. We just need to teach them. Yeah, yeah. We shouldn't assume that people know what empathy is, what it means, how to develop it. Uh, we shouldn't assume that people know how to start a conversation, as you just said. Is I think a lot of people, when they jump into it, as, as you, the example you just gave, and I've given on this show many times, is they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. Right. Not that it's, not that it's necessarily the wrong thing to do, but they think that's what they're supposed to be doing. And it's like no one's taught them differently or showed them differently. It's a, uh, I talk a lot about, you know, we, there's some fun movies about sales uh, that are mm. made for great entertainment, but they scare the heck out of me. You know, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, you know, Alec Baldwin, you know, always mm. be closing. Right. That's fun. But that's, that's not, that scares the death out of me because that's not selling. Right. And, uh, you know, Boiler Room with yeah. Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. With, oh my gosh. And if I see people have that martini glass of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from The Wolf Balls, of Wall yeah. Street saying that's their motivational tool great entertainment fun movie but that's not sales <laughs> that's it, they were they called themselves salespeople, but they were manipulative and they paid the price yeah oh yeah well unfortunately there's you know still people around that think that's the way it's supposed to be done so um yeah oh well, well, yeah i think some of that just to the point though about the movies is i think the movies tv shows whatever that have some image of sales is people pick that up and they think that's what it's supposed to be like. Yes. I've had on the show in the past, uh, Don Dieter Schmelz, who's chairman mm -hmm. at Kansas State University of their National Strategic Selling Institute, which is one of the sort of pioneering programs in the country offering an undergraduate degree in sales. Mm -hmm. And she described on the show is, is when she gets kids, 18, 19 year old kids in her introduction of professional selling class and yeah. kids with no exposure to sales basically and they do role plays they all default automatically to being super salesy yeah so yeah. It, it comes out of somewhere right yeah well you know we all have stereotypes of all professions whether it's an accountant or whether it's a lawyer we make the assumptions that this is what how people are and this is what you have to do and and unfortunately, the assumptions about salespeople is, is many cases negative. And uh, so it's, it goes back to what you preach, what I preach is getting away from that. And uh, I, it's, 
it's too uh, it's too difficult for me to fake it. So it goes back to just be yourself. Yeah. And and learn those skills. You work you sold differently now than you did X number of years ago oh, sure. when you first started. We always are learning and always developing, and that's also a catchphrase. That's that can't be a catchphrase. It's always be learning. Mm-hmm. And the way we do things today is a lot different than we did it five years ago, ten years ago. Heck, two years ago, you know, March twentieth, March of twenty twenty, the world changed for sales, right? Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, but I mean, it's that, but it's also something you'd sort of alluded to earlier, which is, yeah, we talked about, you know, Daniel Goleman writing EQ, you know, twenty five years ago or whatever. Uh, yeah, lots of things have changed. Our understanding of how people's minds work has changed and so and, and it's constantly charged, changing I, I mean one example i like to give us is we're all taught as sellers about this idea of loss aversion right people invest more mm. to avoid a loss than a gain but that's been discredited with more recent research and the big article in scientific american about that it's like you know hey the single biggest factor in you know decision making is a fallacy and yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed reading that because, see, I'd never thought loss aversion was right in my own career because mm-hmm. my customers always invested to gain. Um, and that's how I sold on that assumption. But the point being is, yeah, if you're not continually learning, you, you miss these things. And these things that uh, maybe being presented to you as fact is maybe the facts have changed. So, uh, and that sort of gets to one of your little bite-sized pieces of, of wisdom you have throughout your book. You've got a bunch, but I was just going to cherry pick a few that I wanted to talk about. One, but we'll start with one is uh, you say, don't argue with your boss. Now, why not? Because I, well, I have intended yeah. to quite a <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's, it's picking your shots. Right. I think, you know, if you've been, if you've been maligned or if you've been taken the wrong way, you have to stick up for your rights. But sometimes it's a losing cause, yes. and it's sort of, it's sort of like you're, you're wasting your energy. Yeah. If it's gotten to a point where you're working for a manager, you're working for a leader, and this is where my philosophy has changed for the years. You know, from when I was raised, you know, yeah, you stick it out, you work your way through it. I'm of the philosophy now: if you're working for a difficult manager, you're working for a boss who just doesn't get it or is mistreating you, you have to look for another opportunity. Absolutely. I'm not saying you leave tomorrow. You have to have a plan and a, a strategy for finding that next opportunity, but bad managers bad bosses don't overnight get better and no. uh so it's the it's you know that i know that so the trick is then you have to find that next opportunity arguing with your boss for me is oftentimes just a lost cause because they're going to get closed mind and at the end of the day they're going to just say it's my way or the highway so it's um you pick your shots i agree that was I, my I mean, I, yeah what i was talking about is i i wasn't afraid to I wouldn't call it argue. I wasn't afraid to disagree with bosses. And that mm. comes out in the book as well. Is, is, and I think yeah. people have to approach careers from the idea and the perspective that no one cares about their success and their well-being as much as they do. And to point you just made, you have to stand up for yourself. And sometimes that means disagreeing and pushing back and saying, no, I think there's a, a better way to do it if it yeah, if it's if there's no flexibility in the part of the boss, then yes, you need to go right. find a situation that's aligned with who you are. Absolutely. I was very lucky throughout the course of my career. I worked with some great managers, and as I said, the first the guy who hired me, 
you know, umpteen years ago, my first boss. I mean, I, I, I worked with, for him 18 months. I reported him for 18 months, but uh, I stayed in touch with him throughout his entire life because of the impact he had on me. Yeah. And uh, at my most recent job, I worked with a guy that I've known for more than 30 years who was my, my boss. And we got along two different styles. We got along so well. But there were in the middle stages of my career, there were a few clinkers in there, and that's normal. Yeah. Um, what I've found now when I coach people and work with people, there are more lousy managers out there than we think. <laughs> you know, and it's it scares me sometimes. And I hear these stories, and it's like, oh my goodness. And uh, again, which goes to my philosophy of if you're in a situation where, you know, you're just not getting that guidance and the leadership and somebody mentoring you and helping you be successful, you have to take the steps to find that other opportunity. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting about you make comment on bad managers. I, I just, maybe I look at it a little more generously, which is there's just maybe managers who have chosen to learn and those who haven't. Because you know, there's no shortage of information about how to become a more effective manager out there. So if you're interested uh, and you're still listening you know, to people around you and the influences around you, then yeah, change. Because it, yeah. whatever applies to you as an individual, you know, working with your boss, uh, chances are I found that if, if the person I'm working for is really difficult in certain dimensions, then odds are so is the person they work for. Bingo. You know, it's that's uh, I work with a, a really mammoth company in the middle part of my career, and they had a reputation that started at the very top that was very tough. They took pride in the fact that the leadership was recognized as being one of the toughest in the business. I saw it as a negative. They saw yeah. it as a positive. Right. And uh, but that style permeated throughout the entire organization, and uh, it was effective. I mean, they were a successful company. It got people to really on edge. But it was a stressful organization, and uh, so it's uh, it started at the very top, and then each layer, you know, they you learn from your managers, mm -hmm. and it just it just filtered down and all of a sudden everybody was always aggressive yeah you know and in your face and it's like yikes well yeah um, and that the point i'm making before is that no one told them necessarily that's what they're supposed to do but they saw the behavior that was modeled and said that's what i need to do model the way right you yep. learn from your manager and that's a that's from the leadership challenge book uh you know model the way and you learn from the people you report to and uh, if, if you're learning bad habits learning bad style and techniques that yeah. that's you know that's what happens yeah situation is is everything for people is is yeah i, I work with a lot of high high achieving sales people they're trying to earn you know, seven figures a year and so on as individual coaching and and i have people approach me about it and say well you know what's what's your best advice you know what do i need to learn and you know for me it all starts with you got to find the right fit i mean you want to be a high earner a high achiever focus on fit first yes yeah that's why that interview process and research process is so important we can learn so much more about people and about companies today than we could five years ten years I, certainly when you and i started you know, it was all a guess back then by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Now you can find out so much. So you know that certain organizations are well run. Yeah. Uh, I, I do a lot of work with LinkedIn, you know, with my courses. And I see what a great organization. I wish I was, you know, just starting out. I'd love to be with that company. It is so <laughs> well run. It's not perfect. Yeah. Well, it is. So well run. Meanwhile, I see others like, wow, I would never work at that organization. You know, so it's you can learn so much just by 
going online and doing your research. Yeah, you would think, right? Well, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, one of your things is don't be a know-it-all, which I subscribe to. I think people need to be learn-it-alls, not, uh, not know-it-alls. Um, when, when I liked, which, especially for a sales role, is you say, don't take all the credit, share the wins. I think this is so important, is, is I've worked with people that, four people that, uh, yeah, the credit was always theirs, right? I mean, there's one person yeah. that I worked for for a short period of time, and this individual, about three years later, was interviewing for a job at a company I was at, and somebody said, wait, hey, you'd worked with this person before, Here's what they say on their resume of what they did. And it's like, oh, they're taking credit for everything I did. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, they're part of that know-it-all category too. Oh, yeah. they're the ones that they know everything and they've done everything. And it's how simple is it to say, hey, we, were, we all won. You know, it's the days of, uh, you know, it's me, me, me. Um, and, and it certainly holds true in the days of, you know, marketing and sales not working together. Uh, and now we have to work together. All departments, the collaboration is so important. So when you win and are successful, share that. Celebrate together. Because you're certainly going to be celebrating and, and suffering through some of the losses sometimes. So celebrate the wins. Isn't that more fun? And uh, well, it doesn't mean we all need to be holding hands, you know, and, and no. singing We Are the World. But it also means, hey, hey, share the success. Enjoy the job. And, uh, and I think that's important. Yeah. Well, depending what you're selling is because i worked in a lot of of um, companies it was a very technical product it was way <laughs> at the really technical end it was way over my head and yeah. I, I couldn't sell alone i mean yeah right i mean yep you bring in the experts you bring in the people who understand the exactly. idiosyncrasies of the specific pieces of the product or service that you're offering exactly and you need to bring in those right resources depending upon the situation and that's what again celebrating and selling as a unit and as an organization those are the best uh, companies yeah and all the people that helped you along the way absolutely yes. um yeah. uh so and you draw the distinction between leadership versus management which i also touched in my book so what's the difference there for you well, it, it's there's two parts to that. One is, you know, how many salespeople we have you seen and I've seen that get promoted to become, you know, the district manager, the sales manager, and all of a sudden their whole style changes, right? You know, and it's like, oh my goodness sakes! And a leader enables, you know, like a good leader enables and and provides the path is like the blocker, mm -hmm. you know, and, and opens up the path for success. A manager is, you know checking off bullets and, you know, making sure you've up updated the CRM on time or did a reforecast by Friday at four o'clock, you know, and it's, uh, you know, leaders are people you want to follow. Managers are the ones that you drive you nuts. And, you know, and it's a very simplistic way to think no, about it's, it. No, it's absolutely right way, I think, is, is the <laughs> Stephen M. R. Covey and his, his new book about leadership, Trust and Inspire, mm -hmm. says, yeah, you, you manage things, you lead people. And I think that's a great perspective, right? I yes. think we've got a, uh, an abundance of management and uh, a shortage of leadership oftentimes. Uh, last last one. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say bingo. You, that's exactly it. I mean, it's a, again, I've, you've worked with great leaders. I've worked with great leaders, and we've also seen the other side mm. of it. And boy, there is a contrast. And it's, and it's, it's there. <laughs> you can see it. Wow. 
and uh, so it's 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 fun. And we've all you and I both have improved through the years as leaders. Yeah, I hope so. And you know, so and and we both continue will continue to improve with that. I hope so. I hope so. So well, the last one to talk about because unfortunately we're running short on time, but is mm-hmm. one that's important to me. It aligns with what I spoke in my book. As you say, uh, one of your nuggets of wisdom is to look out for yourself. I mean, yeah. the subtitle of my book is a guide to success on your own terms. Uh, So tell us about what it means to you to look out for yourself. Well, you know, I think sometimes we just get get so caught up in business and numbers and what we have to do that we forget about what really matters. Mm -hmm. And one of my part of my philosophy is at the end of the day, it comes down to family comes first. Uh, believe in yourself. Uh, you know, I sound like everybody's grandfather, but I said, but health and happiness is what it's all about. Right. And uh, these companies will survive without us, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and they've done really well. And, you know, and so believe in, you know, believe in your abilities, but spend the time to take that time to relax. Spend the time with your family. Yes, we have to earn an income and we have got bills to pay and there's problems going on in society right now. But you know what? Chill out, relax, enjoy life. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, I, it sounds old school, but it is so important, I think. And it's something I've preached my entire career. Focus on what really matters. The CEO is still going to make $10 million this year, no matter what we say. So they'll do their own thing. Find things that what really matters for you. And if it's making 50000 a year and you're happy, God bless you. If you need to make a half a million, God, it doesn't. But what Find out what really matters to you. Values, goals, mm-hmm. priorities. I think that's what it's all about. Well, I do. They're not, it's not talked enough about uh, values. Uh, yeah. People talk about corporate values, but I'm talking about you know, individual values, right? And you're finding people to work with that align with those. Um, yeah, there's a book I'd read. God, I forget the title. A guest came on the show, but it basically he was an investor in Boston and wrote this book saying, look, hire good people. Right. At the end of the day, hire good people. And that's the success uh, formula for you with hiring. And I think that's absolutely true. Uh, not rocket science again. I mean, it's I've been, again, so fortunate. I, I got lucky in hiring good people. It made my job easy. Yeah. And when you say about being a good leader, there's nothing better when you can step back and watch a team work. It's like a good sports organization, mm-hmm. good, you know, sailing or whatever it might be, you know, to see the unit actually work. Right. And it makes you look good. So again, it goes back to you know, sharing success. Sharing success, they made me look good. Right. And uh, that's that's fun. And uh, not every day is a bowl of cherries. I had some rough days too, as did you. And uh, but so that's why again, you celebrate the successes because there are going to be days when you know what the job stinks, <laughs> right? Job stinks, life stinks. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, all right, well, Dean, well, thank you. Uh, tell people how they can find out more about the book and connect with you. Well, I, I'm, the book is called Mastering the Basics, and it is available in bookstores and also online. Uh, I post pretty regularly on, on LinkedIn, and uh, I have courses with LinkedIn Learning on the basics of sales, uh, basic sales philosophy. If you're looking for advanced methodologies, that's not me. But uh, look for me on LinkedIn, connect with me, and uh, I love chatting with sales professionals and all business people. Excellent. Dean, thank you very much. Andy, thank you very much. Great to meet you in Great person. Great to meet you in person as well. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for <laughs> easy for me to say, grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank our guest, Dean Carroll, for sharing his insights with us today. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>